I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Welcome to episode 33 of the Canto Bite Dispatch. I'm Emily Lind, and with me, as always, my delightful co-host, Brittany Brown. Hi, Brittany. Hello. How are you? I am okay. How are you doing? I'm kind of tired right now, but I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. good. Yeah. Have you had a good week so far? I mean, Um, it's Sunday, so I mean, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't really done anything um oh my god okay so so last week we were talking about how i was going to get a hot toy and i wasn't sure whether i was going to get hoth leia or tarkin and you had mentioned oh are any of them in danger selling out and i'm like no no they always do a low stock warning if they're ever running low and then i'll just get it so i've been i've been looking at tarkin about every other day because i was going back and forth so much and getting it I never saw a low stock warning. And then yesterday, I decided, okay, I'm actually going to buy it. Go on. Waitlisted. Oh, no. I am. (laughs) I'm so so upset. Oh, my God. Because, like, they also do, like, the Tarkin Vader set, which it's just outside my price range. But that one has a low stock warning. So I'm just like, why didn't... Why didn't why didn't you put that on the other one? And then I would have gotten it right away. And I mean, yeah, technically I'm on the wait list, but I just, I don't think it's gonna happen. And I'm I'm just I'm really annoyed. Oh shit! Sorry to hear that. What about Hothleya? Is Hothleya on the on any? Hothleya is okay, but I'm sort of like I had my heart set on the Tarkin now. Mm. I Fuck. just. I mean, I could, I could maybe find it somewhere else. Like, I can look at. Um, I mean, I'm not going to do it on eBay because that's just too risky. Like, risky. Um, Forbidden Planet here in New York, like sometimes has a couple of them. I just don't imagine that they'll have Tarkin, but I can check there. But I am displeased. Sorry to hear that. Well, other than that, how's your week been? Um, let's see. I haven't really done much. Um, I've been watching stupid shit on Netflix and reading, and that's about it. How about you? What have you been up to? Fuck, I've had a jam-packed week. Thursday, got off at work at 8 a.m., and decided, hey, let's go to Disneyland. So 
Rusty and I went to Disneyland, met up with some friends, had a nice time. I mean, I was kind of like really tired, but it was fun. And then um, Friday went on a really nice date. And Saturday um, worked. It was St. Patrick's Day. So Saturday, that was yesterday. Um, went out to dinner with my mom because my, my dad's out of town. He's visiting my sister in Orlando and my brother had to work. So we went out to a nice restaurant, uh, had some really nice Italian food, had a couple martinis and made friends with a cat. And like, was good. yeah, it was, her name was Munchkin. She was like this cute little like gray Munchkin cat. And just like, I was, I like, it was really funny. Cause like I took a picture of my food you could see the cat and like the background and I'm like, my life is going so well right now. <laughs> like, I was just like, everything's going great. I'm surrounded by a cat. Everything's great. There's good food. I'm hanging out with my mom. Other stuff in life is going really well. I'm like, all right. This is great. But now let me ask. Yeah. What is... What is the casino like on St. Patrick's Day? Well, you know, it was raining like all day. So it wasn't as busy. Like, I think we had like some promotions going on in the casino. Like, if you win this amount of points to get a vacuum or something, I don't know. I should know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing is that. Ah, uh, yes, the, the traditional St. Patrick's Day vacuum. <laughs> No, that's the thing, though. So, like, every month I think we're given, like, packets of, you know, like, promotions and, like, special events. I think there was a concert. I don't know. Well, that's the thing is that I should know, but I don't. But my schedule's so weird because I do both graveyards and, like, normal shifts. So, of course, during graveyards, I'm only dealing with tweakers and, you know, other random shit. And then, like, the normal days, it's when, like, I'm getting, like, the avid gamblers that are, like, okay, I'm here to win shit, you know. And sometimes you get phone calls, like, what time is this at? What time is this at? And it's always me turning around to my coworker being, like, hey, what time is this at? And they're, like, uh, like, no one knows. But, <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't that bad, I think. But usually, I didn't work last St. Patrick's Day, but usually holidays having to do with drinking or anything or kind of busy in the casino a lot of the machines like to shut down or just not work which isn't fun so i'm always getting calls like we've been waiting for 30 minutes to fix this machine the ba is not working or there's no paper or the screen went blank or i was in the middle of a free something and it went blank and i'm like i'm sorry to hear that uh you know but yeah, casinos. Never boring. Yeah, I'm always happy when St. Patrick's Day is on the weekend because then I don't have to deal with working in Midtown Manhattan. Fuck. On St. Patrick's Day. Because I like I work like right across the street from Penn Station and there are always like so many like falling down drunk people. Like, even, like, I get off work at 6 o'clock in the evening, and there'll just be people who are trashed. Ugh. I know, like, I was um, in downtown San Diego on Friday, and I felt like I saw some, like, already trashed people. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, like I feel like definitely this year, like the rain definitely scared off people because my mom and I were afraid that the restaurant that we went to was going to be really busy, but there was like no one there. Like I think everyone just kind of like huddled there to, you know, get rid of the or to not be with all the crowds because I think all the crowds are probably either in uh, downtown San Diego or other places, but definitely not the casino. But then again, I don't know if the casino is the best place to spend your uh, St. Patrick's Day. And I'm doing terrible promotion for my casino, which will forever be unnamed. But yeah. Huh. Um, let's see. We've got a little bit of Star Wars news. Although, I mean, by the time by the time this episode comes out, it'll no longer be news because um Force of Forces of Destiny is coming back or rather will be back um <laughs> because it's it's all going to be up online on Monday, which is we record this on Sundays. So um, but they are going to bear on TV on the 25th or the 35th, as I put on our show notes. So, yeah, I was going to ask you. So on March 35th, we're going to get Forces of Destiny back because. Uh, yeah, March 35th. 35th. Because I'm really excited for Forces of Destiny. Now I'm even more excited for the 35th of March. <laughs> It's a it's a really it's a really good day. Thirty fifth of March. It's already my favorite day. <laughs> oh. All right, but uh, Forces of Destiny. We have the uh, coffee with Kenobi. We have the episode descriptions. Um, there are eight episodes, and we're covering a whole bunch of people, which is cool. Uh, I thought we could just sort of go through them, but the first one is called Hasty Departure, and that's Hera and Sabine. Liberate an Imperial shuttle only to find they have unexpected cargo troopers. I mean, okay. I don't... I mean, you know these characters more than I do, so... I'm just as not excited as you are. Like, as much as I love, like, Hera and Sabine, like, I almost feel like the uh, episodes I look forward to most are the ones with, you know, Leia or Padme and Ahsoka, which we'll talk about those. And even the Rey ones, too. I think I love that the actual actors voice most of the characters. Like, Rey, we get Daisy Ridley. So that's my favorite. Yeah, I think I think probably that's one of the benefits of having these little like three to four minute mm-hmm. episodes. Is that's a pretty that's a pretty easy sell to the actors. Like you're not you're not making a big commitment there. Oh <sighs> yeah. Well, do you want to know something like kind of random but weird? Okay. So I was I was talking to. Andy Campbell on Twitter the other day and we were talking just about like rebels like I was talking about or he said like hey like the animation did look off because I was talking to you about the animation and we we're just like talking about rebels and like something like hit me like as often as I go to Disneyland they never have merch for rebels there hmm 
isn't that weird? Like, wouldn't you think, okay, like something Star Wars going on right now? Like, obviously, they have the Last Jedi merch there. Like, they have shirts and shit. They have a bunch of porgs. They have that porg backpack that every time I go, I'm like, I think I'm going to get it. But then I see there's like 50 of them. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to wait. You know, but they have nothing Rebels there. How much how much Rebels merch is there? You know, I don't think there's a lot. Like, I remember once at Target seeing some, because I remember one year specifically, like, um, it was like Valentine's Day, and I was helping my mom out with, like, writing Valentine's for the kindergarten school she works at, and they had, like, Rebels Valentine's. And I was like, oh, okay. And this was, like, probably before I started watching Rebels, too. So I'm seeing all these characters. I'm like, who the fuck is Zeb? But, um... We look up Star Wars Rebels merchandise. Um, like I know there's uh, a I know there's a Sabine Forces of Destiny doll. Yeah, there's a Soko one now too. That's um, the Funko doll. That's really cute, and I might get that, but I'm not sure yet. Oh, let's see. There's shirts. Oh, connected. Um, you know, I'm only think I'm only seeing Think Geek and her universe stuff, but like I see like no shirts or any. Okay, so I see a shirt from Walmart. I see a Karen Kanan Jarus uh, pop figure. That's a cool Admiral Ackbar shirt. He's not Rebels. Um, but yeah, I see like no Rebels merch at all. Like I don't know. Like wouldn't you think that hey, if your kids watching Rebels, you would like a Rebels T-shirt or something? Like, or yeah, are they? Or do they just, like, know that people don't watch this, so merch isn't really going to be there? But then again, that's the cons of having your show on Disney XD, a channel that not a lot of people have access to and can only watch it via app or however else um, you watch it. But, yeah, there's, fuck, no merch out there for Rebels. I mean, like, fuck, I don't care. But, I mean, like, people you who watch the show care. Yeah. I mean, especially you'd think like at Disney where you're getting so many kids Mm -hmm. who are like bugging their parents to buy them things. And especially at Disneyland, too, because like they could easily overprice like a Kanan Jarrus or Ezra Bridge or like lightsaber for like twenty five, thirty dollars, you know, like they are however expensive lightsabers are now. I think I still, I have like a Yoda or Qui-Gon Jinn lightsaber. Well, here's the thing about, like, the older lightsabers, like the really shitty ones, like, they would, like, have, like, the lightsaber hilt, like, another character's lightsaber, but then it would be, like, in completely different colors. So, like, you could look at a lightsaber and be like, oh, like, this is Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber, but it's green, you know? Oh, okay. Back in 2005 or whenever... I got a lot of Star Wars stuff when I was a little kid, but <laughs> anyways, Forces of Destiny. Oh yeah, um, the next one is Unexpected Company. Uh, upset when Ahsoka joins a mission set for just he and Padme, Anakin puts them on a dangerous path. Working alongside the secret couple, Ahsoka helps save the day. I mean... <laughs> I like even in Forces of Destiny, Anakin's going to be a whiny little bitch. (laughs) He's just mad that he was going to have a date and Ahsoka's showing on the date. She's just the third wheel. But, oh, I love it. Uh, Do we know know who's voicing Anakin? 
Uh, Matt Lanter, I think that was oh, okay. the same guy that did the Clone Wars because Ashley right. Eckstein posted a picture with uh, both him and the voice actresses as Padme, and I f- always forget her name. Okay, I do. I do like that it's going to be like Ahsoka saving the day because I think that's sort of, I mean, the point of Forces of Destiny. Yeah, that should be good. And then um, I see the next one that we're getting is called Shuttlestock or Shock. Uh, on their approach to Cantobite, Finn and Rose learn to work together to navigate a pod of dangerous creatures. Yes. This is what I signed up for. I want <laughs> more Rose and Finn. Specifically yeah. Rose. I was hoping that we get Rose and Paige or something, but th- this will do. Yeah, this is fine. You know, if it were anything other than Force of Destiny, I'd be like, really? They're going to shove in a scene during that time period? That's a little bit weird. But, you know, Force of Destiny, I'm fine with it. I know. I would love to see Paige, too, but that's just me. Because we get some of her in the novel a little bit, too. I just want more Paige. I just want more Paige and Rose. Like, I just, I was always excited seeing, like, sisters in Star Wars because, like, that's something that we've never gotten before. But. Yeah, I yeah. really, I really want to pick up the, the Cobalt Squadron book. Oh, yeah. Another book I'm needing to get. I know, like, I was talking to Amanda Ward just about, like, all the different books that I've read error that I need to read because I finished um, the last Jedi novelization in a day. And after that, I decided, hey, I want to read my one and only favorite, which is the Revenge of the Sith novelization. Got that on the Kindle and I've just been like highlighting my favorite. I fucking love that I can just like highlight my favorite parts and shit. Yeah. Like, I just I fucking love that. I did that with the um, last Jedi novel too. So when we talk about that how far are you in that right now um just a couple of chapters oh yeah we're we're gonna talk about that a little today are we or no yeah but just just like the very beginning okay sweet 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 um let's see another episode that we're getting uh Jin's trade jim helps a young thief learn a valuable lesson Okay. Okay. I mean, that'll probably be a little, you know, it'll be cute and throwaway, but I like Jin. Me too. I really like the episode where um, her and Sabine kind of like work together. Yes. I like that one. I like when Rebels characters kind of like intertwine with the uh, Rogue One characters. Like, I think that's really cool. I maybe would have liked to see that in Rebels, you know? Like, why didn't we ever have, like, a Cassian Andor uh, cameo or even Jin? Like, they could have easily got Felicity Jones to do, like, a five-minute thing like she does with these forces of destiny uh, little episodes. But, eh, it's in the past. Yeah, I'd like a I, – I would really like a Cassian – prior to Rogue One story. Oh my god. Because I, I mean it it'd have to be like I mean considering the the sort of this 
stuff that's alluded to in Rogue One would have to be really dark. Yeah, like, he's just this, like... He he plays off like he's just this like big asshole and he's been through a lot of shit. And like I would have loved to see like some of the shit that he's been through or like why he is the way he is. Or you know, we got that comic about like how he met um God, what's that fucking droid's name? K2. <laughs> K2. Wow, I'm terrible. I need to watch Rogue One again. I haven't watched that one in a while. But yeah, we don't really get a lot of information about Cassian and I would like more about the Rogue One gang well yeah because we get that stuff about in the movie about like I mean when he when he rallies the other people to be like yeah we're going to you know we're going to join Jin and helping her with this it's it's couched as you know we've all had to do really bad things mm-hmm. and we want to make up for that and I'm I'm fascinated by the darker side of the rebellion and what it really would mean to be a spy or an agent that you would i mean like cassian does just straight up murder people (laughs) that was fucking dark i was not expecting that or even in rogue one that was the one thing that i was genuinely shocked about was that we saw the side of the um the rebellion that you know wasn't all good like i wasn't sugar-coated and i would love to see that more in the future like what if in solo a movie that i've totally forgotten about is existing soon that <laughs> we get to see like a bad side of the rebellion or like what if han solo like tries to do something with them and they're just like ah fuck off we don't need you and that's why he just has been like really not wanting to join you know yeah I think I think there's something that really like meaty that you can get into there. And I hope they do at some point. Me too. That'd be really nice to see. All right. Um back to Forces of Destiny. There's one called Run Ray Run. And that is, while scavenging inside a Star Destroyer, Ray is cornered by competition on the hunt for a valuable part. Okay, give me... Yeah, I love Scavenger Ray. <laughs> me too. So that's awesome. I mean, that's... The, the first time you see that teaser, when she's, like, dropping down on that line, like, into the ship, is so stunning. And that sort of, like, immediately fell in love with that character before she even had a line. So I'm all about that. Even the way they animate Ray in these... um and these little shows it's just so fucking cute like ray is just adorable yeah she is <laughs> oh ray. um oh i'm really looking forward to this one uh bounty hunted maz kanata helps leia chewbacca and r2d2 with a clever plan to free han from jabba the hut hell yeah awesome Give me, give me Maz, like, in everything. And also, I just, like, I want to see her and Chewbacca interact. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That's what I'm excited for is Maz and her boyfriend Chewbacca. Yeah, and I'm excited to actually, like, see her instead of just hearing the little voiceover at the beginning. 
Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, this will be the first time that we're going to see her, huh? Yeah, I think so. Shit. I know. I saw when I was looking at the pictures, because I was at Disneyland when I uh, saw all these pictures. This was one of them that I was, like, really excited to see, because we see Leia in, like, the Bosch outfit thing. So... Yeah. I remember once, like, it was, like, uh, right before Rogue One came out, and I was, like, listening to the radio, and they were, like, oh, win tickets to Star Wars by answering the Star Wars question. And I'm, like, okay. I'm, like, I know my Star Wars. And the question was, like, what? who is Leia impersonating when she was re- rescuing Han Solo? I didn't know. <laughs> and I'm, like... I was having like one of those like am I even a Star Wars fan moment like I know I am but I'm like I don't even know that I'm like what else do I not know but (laughs) that wasn't a very great moment for me but then someone answered it and then they were like yeah even my kid knew the answer and I'm like god damn it even kids know I'm like but now I forever know that who Leia was impersonating the bounty hunter that she was impersonating so uh, lessons learned, but um, another episode that we are getting is called The Path Ahead, uh, the info for it, uh, training with Master Yoda in the swamps of Dagobah, Luke learns an important lesson. Yay. I mean, I'm happy that Mark Hamill's doing it. Me too. Like, that's really that's... cool of him. Is Frank Oz going to do Yoda? That's a good question. I feel like it would have been announced, though. Because I yeah. feel like I, I forget who did the Yoda in the Clone Wars. But, um, I mean, cool, we're getting Luke. Like, that'll excite a lot of people. Like, I was, I thought they would just get, like, a random actor like they did for um, older Han Solo. But, uh, Mark Hamill as young Luke. Because it's like, you know, we get older Luke and... The Last Jedi, but I am excited to hear like young Luke again and like see him in like the animation form. That just excites me for some reason. Yeah, I think it will be good. Yeah, but Emily, yes, the most, <laughs> the most important episode of all forces of destiny of anything really of of anything. Like, this is huge. Okay. Let me compose myself. All right. This this episode is called Porg Problems. Ray has her training interrupted by some very mischievous porgs. Which means they're going to be very, very cute. Porgs. We get animated Porgs. Yeah, Emily, I'm 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 very excited. Like, I, are you? I, I'm like staring at all my porgs right now, just in awe and excitement. Like, you know, obviously, it's like I have I have the Last Jedi on, you know, not DVD, the uh, whatever. Well, I have it. I bought it with my own money. Well, technically, Rusty did, but like I, porgs. porgs. I'm just excited for porgs. 
They're going to be really cute. They fucking will. I know they will. And I know they're only going to be on screen for like a short period of time. And I'm having to like prepare myself for that. Um, but porgs. Oh, yeah. I, I want to see a porg. I want to see a porg like steal her lightsaber. And just generally be a big nuisance. Oh, but yeah, those are all the the episodes of Forces of Destiny that we're going to get soon. I mean, hopefully this isn't the order of appearance because personally, I would love to start things off with some porgs because that's just me. Like, I, I know that there are a bunch of people out there that want to start off their experience with porgs, but porgs. I mean, they're all going to go up at once, so... You can watch them however you want. They're all going to go up at... Okay, so are they going to do the thing again where, like, YouTube, like, 10 o'clock in the morning, post a YouTube... Or post a video, like, oh, like, this is this. And then, like, later that night, Disney does the... Oh, on Disney Channel, it's all the episodes in one episode. Going off the post from Coffee with Kenobi, it's... Everything's going to go up on YouTube tomorrow and then next monday they're all airing as like a half hour or whatever how long it takes special on the disney channel hmm okay <sighs> well i'm excited for the 35th of march <laughs> Okay, so now I know not everybody has The Last Jedi yet, because I know people who are waiting on the physical release, but we are going to talk about some of the bonus stuff. Now, there's a ton of bonus stuff, so we're not talking about it all this week, but this week we're focusing on The Last Jedi deleted scenes. So, you know, if you don't want to know anything about that, like skip ahead or just come back to this episode after you've seen them. But there are definitely going to be spoilers because we really want to like dig into this stuff. Yes. So now is a time to stop listening. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And I will, I will try to put into the episode notes like the the time period so you can you can look in the notes it'll tell you when we're done talking about it if you just want to skip this section so spoiler 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 <laughs> okay now i want to ask you this i didn't i i just watched the deleted scenes i didn't watch them with commentary thank god me neither okay <laughs> I mean, I'm going to at some point, but like for now, I just wanted to sort of just enjoy the scenes for what they were. Yeah, me too. Like I've been, fuck, I've been busy this week. So I, I've only gotten through the documentary, the actual movie, and the deleted scenes. I really, and some other 10 minute things, I really want to watch it with just the musical score. Yes. That's so cool. What's cool? I, what's cool is that that was a surprise. Yeah, 
Like it was just sort of, oh, by the way, if you bought it digitally, here's this awesome thing. Um, and those who don't know, they, they did a special release. It's There's no dialogue, no sound effects, just the score. Yeah. I remember seeing Ryan Johnson like tweet about it. Like, hey, there's this special, you know, thing that's it's his favorite. And I really want to watch it. I want to figure out how to do it on, what is it, like Movies Now app or something? Or, or I forget what. Movies Anywhere. Movies Anywhere app. I forget all these app names. Yeah, if you just, like, if you scroll down on Movies Anywhere, like, once you pick the movie on Movies oh. Anywhere, like, they have all of the bonus footage in, like, separate sections, and one of them is that score only option. Don't you have to, like, connect your purchase to, like, the, um, to your other online purchase or something, or I forget how you do that. I mean, I don't, I don't know, because mine was previously... Like it was already connected. Oh shit! Okay, so like, like I connected all that when I first got movies anywhere. Okay, yeah, I'll just I'll probably figure that out. I'll try to do that soon. Probably not today because I have a bunch of uh, studying to do after this. So I'm not looking forward to. Uh... But I'm especially like I'm especially looking forward to seeing like all the stuff on crate. Mm. Yes. Crate, but. Yeah. Oh, back to the okay. Deleted scenes. Get a lot. There's a lot of them. Uh, the first one is the costumes and creatures of Canto Bite. Um, and this is just like a minute thirty, and it's 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 literally just you're like scrolling around Canto Bite and getting a better look at all the weird, cool alien and costuming they did. Yeah, and the music too, like that. That's literally what the music sounded like, but it was, it was great. I was, you know, I was trying, I was what I was rewatching some of the deleted scenes of this one in particular, trying to find out like what my favorite outfit or my favorite person was like throughout that whole scene, and I, I couldn't pick one. There's so much going on, and it's so pretty. And cool, and like there's just there's so much happening, it's sort of crazy. I know that was a you know, I feel like with all these, we're gonna, you know, our final thoughts are gonna be like, should they have kept this in the movie or not? And I liked seeing all you know the different costumes, like just like Canto buy it, but I. I'm okay with the fact that this wasn't in the movie. Yeah, I am too. Um, I sort of wish, I, I sort of wish we could have gone halfway because I like the I like the approach they took in the movie. I think that's a great scene. Just that like classic like straight tracking shot right in through the whole casino. But if it had like if it had meandered a little bit more. And we had seen just a little bit more on the big screen. I would yeah. have been happy. Because they really like went all in on the costuming for Canto Bite. Like, oh my God. Like, they're just so detailed. Yeah. And everything is different. Yeah. Like, 
There's a bunch of different species of aliens and there's, you know, different outfits. Like, I just, it's... Oh, there's another, there's another, there's another big-faced alien Yes! Like an older one. Yes. I love big-faced alien guy. Yeah, and I have just decided I'm never going to learn his name. I don't want to know. I've seen it. And I know I can't pronounce it, so I've just decided he's always going to be big-faced alien guy. Yep. I forget his name, too. And I was really sad because I was watching, like, the... Um, I always like watching the movies with um, the, the um, close captioning sometimes. And mm-hmm. um, whenever he talks, it's just this, like, distinct alien chatter or something. And I'm like, I want to know what he actually said. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh, for those who don't know what we're talking about, it's um it's Finn's pilot you mean buddy. Poe? Yes, oh, okay. Poe's pilot buddy. Uh the one when when Holdo first comes in and Poe is like, Oh, is that Holdo from such and such thing? Yeah. Big faced alien guy. I feel like I don't know. I feel like a lot of people like f- who watch The Last Jedi, like I feel like they they knew before this who we were talking about about big faced alien guy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of aliens in Star there's Wars. Not enough. The the next scene, um, this is called Ray and Chewie and the Falcon, and this is just like it's a. You know, it's 30 seconds. It's we see the the Falcon swooping in when the forces are like heavily blasting the door to the base on crate. And there's and Ray just goes, let's go around back. I, I, I'm perfectly fine with him cutting this. I thought they were that was when they were shooting at Luke. Oh, yeah, that might be. Yes, it would be. Yeah, I feel like it would have taken away the suspense of that scene if we saw Ray and Chewie just be like, let's go back. Like, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of humor in this film, and I feel like adding it at that moment would have, like, almost taken it away a little bit. Yeah, and I I think it's better that we just see them around back once they, once the the resistance like breaks through back there. Yes. Like that scene with her forcing the rocks is probably one of my favorite scenes of that whole movie. The music too oh, gets me every time. Yeah. Um, the next one is called Rose and Finn go to where they belong. And that is, um, it's after they're like getting off of the mega destroyer after it's been destroyed, and um, Rose asks Finn, "Where are we gonna go now?" And Finn says, "And Finn says, where we belong." And then we see, like through the through the view, we see crate. Yeah, I'm happy this wasn't in the film because I like the that we didn't know that ship that was coming on crate that was them. Because it's like they're shooting at that ship and then the the other ships are... No, because it's like the other... The TIE fighters are shooting at that ship, which I thought they were shooting at the Resistance base. And then 
I don't know. What I'm saying is that I I generally thought when I first saw that movie that that was the or not resistance, the first order. Yeah. And I mean, I do, I do like, I like this scene in that I, I think after we see Finn take off, you know, because he's, he's so set on protecting Ray that, that Finn describing it as we're going where we belong is really mm-hmm. cool. But, but I do, I do agree that I think, I think it works better as a movie without this yeah. scene. Agreed. But, oh man, the other one, um, Rose bites the hand that taunts her. Um, Hawks picks up Rose's necklace and she, <laughs> and she bites the fuck out of him. Which, fuck, this makes me love Rose even more. Like, like she literally just bites his hand, like super hard too, and it's it's pretty funny. I, I actually i I think I would have liked to see some variation of the scene in yeah. the movie, partially because I think I think we need a little bit more of Hawks being an asshole in this movie, and. So, because you know, when he, when he, he, she drops her necklace and he and he steps on it, and and recognizes it as being a, a symbol of whatever system rose from, and 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 you know makes a really like snide comment about the first order taking it all over, and so, and also I just like Rose being feisty, me too, like. Again, I really like seeing that side of Hux, but I almost just loved hearing him like scream in just his face when she was biting him because it's like I feel like Hux tries to play off like he's this like scary motherfucker, but he's not. Like he he's a fucking wimp. I almost feel like, and I feel like that scene kind of just shows that Hux is just like kind of a, just a little dweeb. Yeah, like, when he's not threatened, he's very, like, good at playing powerful. Yes, but when he's threatened, he's like a scared kitten. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought that was great. I like that. Um... Oh, Phasma squealed like a whoop hog, and that is the alternate Phasma death scene, which we, we described a couple weeks ago when we were talking about um, the Entertainment Weekly article that, that broke down some of these scenes. Um, and basically, you know, they're surrounded by stormtroopers, and Phasma calls Finn out for being a traitor, and Finn's like, well, you're the one who lowered the shields on the base when I put a gun to your head. So who's the real traitor? And then Phasma's like, well, nobody's going to actually believe that story. But you see, like, the troopers are sort of, like, exchanging looks. And then she just murders them all. Um, I'm sort of, I'm sort of back and forth on this scene. 
I mean, I like the fact that we see Phasma can take out like eight troopers before any of them can get her. Because we ha- we don't, for all they built up Phasma, you know, like one of the main complaints is we don't see her being a badass mm-hmm. enough. So it's good to see her like actually being really impressive. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm content with her death scene in The Last Jedi. Like, this, we didn't really get to see a lot of, like, you know, we saw fighting, like, before. No, you know, I think the thing I'm confused about is that how much fighting was happening before the scene when they're all surrounded by the stormtroopers and stuff. And where were the stormtroopers before this? Shooting a BB-8 when he was in that ATRT or whatever we're calling that thing. Yeah, that is a good Because, I mean, at this point, her her mask is already cracked. So it's got to, it, it's in place of that scene when we see her rise up mm-hmm. again. And then gets blasted for the second time. So I'm assuming like the rest of that fight, like the beginning part of that fight plays out how it did in the movie. Yeah. I don't know. Like I hate the whole squealed like a whoop hog or whatever the fuck. But yeah, it's not a good line. It's really not. And I hated the, the rebel scum line. How he said it in this scene versus how he said it in um the last jedi which honestly i wasn't a fan of you know the rebel scum thing because it's like here the whole movie we have finn being like nope i'm not joining i'm good i'm good and then finally he's like i'm a rebel now like i it's like i get that that progression happened but it's just it's too soon for me to see him say that Hmm. <sighs> but um Let's see the next one um mega destroyer incursion extended scene this is a longer version of finn rose dj when they are in disguise um <laughs> it was really cute there's yeah yeah there's there's a lot going on in the scene because it's it's i think it's the longest of these scenes and it's like over five yeah. minutes and like i like this i like this cut of it but I, I think it does, like, fuck with your pace, you know, the movie, if you leave mm-hmm. it like this. But there's cool stuff. Like, when we first, we first, like, show them on the elevator when they're all in uniform. And then there's this, this shot of Finn just, like, like fixing them up. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really cute. I mean, a couple of reasons. Because, of course, I, I think it's always good to have this reminder of this is something that Finn knows. Yeah. And and also just that the the exactness of the first order, so that you know somebody's hat being crooked or somebody's like cuffs not being right is something that would draw attention. And Rose's hair, <laughs> yeah, the, and it's a really I like this for a couple of reasons. One, it's this just really like he fixes her hair, and then there's this really like d- like tender moment when he's just sort of like staring at her yeah i loved that i almost wish that that was kept in the film like we kind of just see them getting along for like a second or just like that moment of just cuteness between them yeah 
And then there's this this long scene of them walking through. I, I don't. It's some sort of control room that they're walking across. I don't really like. It's it's almost it's almost like office cubicles. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of too. But like, it's it's probably like one of the most c- crowded we've ever seen any of these um any of these uh first order or imperial ships be yeah which is weird because how big the ships are why are there so many people crowded in that small of a room well well but the other side of that is like why would you waste so much space (laughs) like why would you have like these huge rooms where there's like two people and a bunch of you know catwalks and stuff so I sort of liked seeing the scale of this room. Yeah. And and they're sort of like increasingly getting nervous as they're walking through. We see we see BB9 ego past them and do a little like, "Hmm, what's going on yeah, here?" And then there's when they they get into the elevator on the other side and some officer like clocks that something is happening. And starts to go after them, and like you see Finn like repeatedly hitting the elevator button, um, and it closes just in time. And then a bunch of stormtroopers get on, and <sighs> this scene. This is another one that we that we saw described in in Entertainment Weekly, so it was sort of interesting to actually watch it play out. Uh, and we see Finn get recognized by a v- surprisingly southern trooper, uh, voiced by Tom Hardy. Like, I don't, I don't know. Where did this accent come from? I don't know, but I fucking hated it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, I am so happy this scene does not exist in Star Wars because that would have been the fuck this I'm done moment for me. But like I Yeah. I mean here's the thing. You can have a trooper with a southern accent because I mean why does anybody in Star Wars have any accent? But uh it turns out Tom Hardy cannot do a southern accent. It was just so fucking stupid. Like why Okay, I don't really know Tom Hardy that well. Like, what is, is he? American? He's Spain. No, oh no, I thought you were asking like parts that he played. Oh. I said he was, and he was Bane. Oh, I said Spain. Okay, so he's Bane. Okay, um, uh, why? Uh, I mean, like, even like the ass slap and like the, oh, like your promotion or something. Like it was just stupid. Like I. Ugh, I've been hearing about this scene for a long time and I had high expectations and then like seeing this I was like okay like another scene that I'm happy wasn't in the film yeah I just I really wonder what the choice was there I mean because Tom Hardy he's he's English okay and I mean he can do he can do like sort of like basic flat like midwestern American accents I've heard him do that plenty of times <laughs> not this one but but I don't like what the hell was going on there. Like it's just bizarre. 
I don't know, of course, like he, you know, he recognized Finn and like everybody is sort of like, you know, going for their blasters. And then it's like, oh, so, you know, you're a you're a big shot officer now. And then he slaps Finn on the ass. I would have liked this if this wasn't like in an elevator with other troopers. I don't know. It just felt like the secluded area. Then it's like, you know, they get the blasters and the suspense. But I would have liked it if, like, Finn was just, like, saw him and was thinking, oh, fuck, and having that look on his face rather than in an elevator trying to be sneaky and shit. It's like, ugh. ugh. But, you know, I guess an important thing about this scene, too, is that I guess, like, it's, like, more obvious that people don't know that he defected. Yeah. Like, except the people who were there. Yeah, so... It's just, like, it's something that the First Order wouldn't want out. Which, you know, that interests me, because that's a thought that I didn't have going into The Last Jedi, is that if people knew about Finn, because I would I would have thought that they would have, you know, said, hey, like, this trooper, he did something bad, like, kill him or something, or, like, the one... It's on a, like a wanted list or something. I don't know. I don't know Star Wars, but um, I don't know. Like I cool. Like glad this scene wasn't in the film. I would have. I would have wanted like the first half of this scene to be in the movie. Like I, I like the fixing the uniforms. Yes. I like that really tense. I like that really tense walk through whatever the hell that room was. Seeing Ben. I saw Ben for a second. Yeah, but that man, that... Nobody should ever get slapped on the ass in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with that statement. In, in Star Wars, yeah. 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 I'm glad we agree. And also, I just sort of feel like... I mean, we do, the, the trooper, Tom Hardy does have this line of like, oh, I know that, you know, that troopers aren't supposed to talk to officers, but then slaps him on the ass and I'm like, that seems like really being stupid. You would have gotten, you would have gotten killed by now if that's how you behaved. You would have got, you would have been locked up somewhere or you would have gotten shot in the head. I never. Because like. It's. I think that the the fact that it's important that we see the Forest Order having this like extremely regimented, extremely loyal like soldier base that is, you know, so afraid of stepping out of line because they know the consequences of that. I'm just annoyed that this accent exists somewhere, and the fact that. <laughs> We might hear this again one day because I. Uh, and like, I really like Tom Hardy. He's very, very good. I, I, I don't know what he was doing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, again, happy the scene doesn't exist. Cool, yay, exciting. I 
almost wish it's like this is great that we're getting all these like deleted scenes i almost wish that like some of them were like longer or we got some more like extended like conversations or um we'll talk about the documentary but um there was this like scene well i i like was on twitter of course and there's this scene where like snoke is like with uh kylo and he's like wiping a tear off his face or something like Fuck, I would have loved to see that in Dilly the Scene or something or, like, more interaction between those two characters. Like, that's fucking dark. Yeah, I feel bad complaining we don't have enough deleted scenes when there's 14 deleted scenes. Yeah, me too. But, man, I want more of them. I know. Ugh. But. Okay, yeah. And the next one is another extended scene. And this is the extended Fabier chase. And boy, am I glad they cut this shit. It just dragged on forever. It is so long. And it's just, it's more of the same. It's just like more tables getting smashed up. And then there is a scene that would have made me so angry. Which is, at one point, they're like, they're like running, like, when they're in the in the city proper. And... And they're like, oh my god, we're on a roof. And then they run onto the skylight. And it's over one of, like, the Cantobite spas. <laughs> which is not necessarily... Okay. Which is not necessarily a terrible thing. And actually, when it first happened, I'm like, oh, cool. Because, of course, this is something we saw a lot in the Cantobite book. Yeah. It's mentioned in, in, like, almost all the stories. These, like... This, this spa business on Cantobite is really big. But they, like, go crashing through it. And then there's this, like, extended shot of this weird-looking alien's, like, bare ass. And Rose and Finn just, like, both look at it and, like, make a face. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me, dude. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty stupid. Even, like, the whole... I just, it's like, we didn't need to see, like, that much. It reminded me of, like, you know, the extended pod racing scene that we got in the Phantom Menace. And just, it's like... Oh, I never watched that. Mm. I don't even like watching the normal length pod racing. Well, scenes. isn't it like already included in the movie that they just like extended it? I mean, possibly. But honestly, I yeah, I haven't gone back to that one in since it came out. You know, I love that movie, but like that's just like one of those scenes where it's like if I have to do something or, you know, not pay attention for 5 seconds, like that's the that's the point where I kind of zone out is that pod racing scene because it's like cool. But you know, the father scene, like, I really like, you know, the the racing and everything and, like, the horses. But, like, I couldn't – I could have lived without seeing that for 15 minutes. I felt like I would have dragged on. And I almost feel like for some people that scene dragged on already. Yeah. Yeah, like, it, it seemed really long. There's only one – there's one little bit that I liked, and that is when – like, towards the end of the scene, like, when they're, when they're on this cliff, like, looking down at the beach – and and Finn says to Rose, "Can you swim?" And Rose just looks at it and goes, "Not when I'm dead," <laughs> because obviously, if they jump, jump, they just land on friggin' rocks and die. And I just, I don't know. I thought that was a cute little line. <laughs> that was. They have their one-liners with each other. That's really good. <sighs> um. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, the caretaker village sequence. Yay! 
Yeah, and this is um, this is sort of what we thought it was going to be, which is we hear that uh, it it's, starts with Luke and Ray, and then like they see boats coming in towards the caretaker village, and this is when Luke gives the oh, you know, this is the raiding party, and a real Jedi wouldn't do anything, like wouldn't intervene. Would just let it happen, and Rose and Ray says "fuck that" and takes off. And is this we see her running on like the rocks with her lightsaber out, and then it's a party. <laughs> oh my god! When they get excited when she like waves the lightsaber, that was so cute. But when she sees Chewie and R two, <laughs> yeah, like Chewie and R two are just there chilling. Which I thought was great. Yeah, because at first, like, she breaks in, again, like, she breaks through this fence, like, holding her lights over. It's like, yet again, Ray just destroying shit on this planet. Like, somebody's going to have to fix that. And they're all just, like, staring at her. And then she just sort of, like, waves it like you would a glow stick or something. And everybody goes back to dancing. And then we get... And and that's all really funny. And then we get this turn because uh, Ray confronts Luke about it. And at first, Luke is is laughing at her, and he's like, "I, I was gonna say stop, drop you, but you were like running really fast." And 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 Ray is really indignant about it, and she says, "I was trying to do something." And and Luke says, and that's what the resistance needs, not some old husk of a religion. And and then like Ray's pissed, and she's like, you know, that legend of Luke Skywalker that you hate so much, I believed in it. I was wrong. And I, I mean, I don't know, like how I feel about the fir- first mm-hmm. part of the scene being cut. Like I think. I think that's not necessarily too big of a loss, even though it was a lot of fun. But man, that second part is really good. Yeah. I... I'm... Okay. I really like this scene, but there was something missing. I don't want to give it away. We'll discuss it um, when you finish the book, but... Yeah, there was there's oh, okay. something that was missing and that really uh made me kind of just like when the scene ended I was like god damn it. But um which I feel bad cuz like this was a great scene. Like I I feel bad that I'm kind of pissed off that you know something else wasn't involved that we'll discuss later, but um yeah, I think my favorite was when Chewie and R2 and they're just sitting there and she's just like, "Really?" <laughs> but how much anger Ray has at this moment. And I feel like this was the final moment of her being like, fuck this. I'm done. I'm leaving. Cause I almost feel like when she talks to Kyla before she goes to the cave, like she's really just like, she's done. And yeah, there's nothing I hate more than seeing Ray being done with something, something that she believes in so much and her giving up really hard for me to see that because she's such a determined person. Yeah, and I just, I don't know. I really like how it played, and I I think uh, I think Mark's brilliant in this scene. Oh my god! 
when he's just when he's just laughing at her at first and then just the turn there when she's so furious at him yeah like he's like laughing at her like you know like oh you ran too fast or something and then that's when she starts doing like you know the fuck you and everything else that she says but yeah uh just another reason or another example of how well um mark did in this film yeah and then and then there's another uh caretaker scene and this is after she's uh blasted the hole in the wall of her hut and and there we see you know the caretakers fixing stuff like we do in the in the cut of the movie but we get a little bit more and one thing I liked is we hear, we really hear the caretakers talking mm-hmm. here. Like we get a good chunk of the language and we hear, you know, Luke saying something back to them. And there's just, just one like giving her just this like death glare. <laughs> While sharpening the, the fish or whatever she was doing. Oh my God. I love I it. I almost wish that was kept in the film. I liked it. Like, I think, I think that's fine. I think we could have kept that. Um, then we get Finn and BB-8, and this is, like, Finn's just sitting there, and he's looking at the little tracker thing for Ray, and he's looking all sad, and BB-8 comes up to him, and it's just beeping at him, and, like, spins around really fast, and he's obviously, like, just trying to, like, cheer him up. Like, he's probably telling him some, like, stupid jokes or something. And then he plays the image of Ray saying goodbye to Finn. And that they're going to see each other again. Yeah. I mean, another moment that I'm glad didn't exist in the film. Like when Finn said, it's kind of weird that you recorded that. And I feel like, so when he leaves, I feel like that was him going to the escape pod, if I'm not correct. Yeah, I think so. But, mm, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the um, the recording of the, the goodbye. Because I didn't see BB-8 anywhere when um, that was happening in The Force Awakens anyways, so. Yeah, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's necessary. I think, I think just picking up on the escape pod is fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fine with that. Fine with that. Um, then we get uh, Poe, not much of a sewer. <laughs> and uh, he fixed he the fixed jacket. It. He fixed the jacket and gives it to Finn. And he fixed it, by the way, really badly. <laughs> but still, he fixed it. And it looks like it's like basically stapled. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was cute. Like, obviously Poe was busy with Star Killer Base and like uh, escaping the Dakar or whatever that planet was called where they were all hiding. But he fixed the jacket. Like, and then just informing Finn of everything that he missed. <coughs> Excuse me, but I thought that was cute. And then we panned straight to the 
the face slap, which I almost like it just cutting straight to the face slap. Like, I almost wish that I liked that scene, but like not right there, you know? Yeah. I was, I was sort of surprised when I cut right to the face slap. I'm like, oh, I, I didn't realize that's right where that was. Because here we have humble brag Poe and then him just getting slapped in the fucking face, which I thought was kind of funny. But I would have just liked just Pandalea slapping him across the face just like without even without even thinking about it, you know? Yeah. And and then we get Luke has a moment. And this is the one I was both most looking forward to and most dreading. Uh, and we just see, like, right after they first arrive, we see Luke going back to his hut and just, like, sitting down and just, like, staring without, with, like, tears in his eyes. Um... Because he knows that Han's dead, and then it cuts to to Leia, just sort of you know staring off into the distance, also in tears. And and that that transition was just really beautiful. Yeah, I'm still struggling with whether or not I wish this was in the film. At that moment, like right after. You know, he's talking about how he was, went to the most unfindable place in the galaxy. That's the thing with most of these scenes is the placement. Like, I would have loved to see some of these scenes, but, like, the placement that they were in in the deleted scenes, like, going straight to, like, the actual scene in the movie kind of seemed, like, off. Like, I love the panning to Leia right afterwards, but I mm-hmm. would have loved... To not have that after the most unfindable place in the galaxy quote, or when he's talking to uh, Ray and Chewbacca. Yeah, I don't know because on the one hand, it is like I I don't know where else you would put it because I think it's it's important that that comes you know shortly after him learning that Han's dead, so that you really you really know what's going on there. I forget though after that scene. Is that when Ray's following him and then when he's like milking the thing and like going to different places? I think so. Hmm. So again, that's hard because like where would have you if you would have had this in the film, where would you have put Ray following Luke around, you know? Yeah. Well, I think you just go to that afterwards. I think you just sort of have this slotted in yeah. there. That's true. But, or maybe that could have been placed like right after Luke is doing all the the stuff. I don't know. I'll have to watch the movie again to determine where I would have liked to place these deleted scenes. Even mm-hmm. though I've already watched it like two or three times <laughs> this week. Oh, um, another one. Pages, gun jams. Uh, yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of what it says on the description. Like it's fine, but it's unnecessary because we don't. I mean, I like Paige, and I would like more, you know, to know more of her. But as far as this movie goes, she's not, you know, she's not really a character in it. 
Like she does this really important thing and it's a great scene. But I don't I don't think we need this beforehand yeah. one. Uh, I mean, cool that like she looked at the necklace and thought of Rose, but uh I'm happy this doesn't exist. <laughs> I feel bad. Like most of these scenes I'm like, okay, I understand. Okay, I understand. But Yeah. Eh. Okay. Then, um, lastly, we have the alternate opening, which, um, just space, um, we see some ships going into the, the Radis, and then we see panning down to Finn waking up. Yeah, and then basically we just, we're seeing the evacuation happen from space rather than seeing it on the planet. And we go to Poe, and he is, he's, you know, talking over comms to, to Connix, and, and she's like, okay, we need more time. And then we see, you know, Poe go off, obviously, you know, about to, to give them some time. But, I don't know, I think the opening of this movie is fine how it is. I really did not like this. <laughs> like, I... Uh... I would have been really disappointed if, like, that was really, like, the the opening was just, like, panning down to Finn waking up because, you know, there's not really much that you can do with that. Like, the opening that we got was really good because, you know, we get to the panic of the the resistance. And I love Finn, but I liked that he woke up, like, 15 minutes after the film started and just kind of after that whole destroying the the dreadnought. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think him waking up yeah. after that is fine, and is is, is probably better in terms of because otherwise it's like okay, well, what's is he just like wandering around while all that stuff's happening? Yeah, I don't know. Like, and then what's he doing afterwards? Or like, are we just gonna keep on panning over to him, confused in the in the ship or something? Like, ugh. There's not much you could have done with that. That's why I'm happy that they just kept him waking up like 15 minutes after the movie started or however. Well, yeah, because also, yeah, I wonder like how, like, because then like, so at what point does Poe then find him? Like, I can't, I can't figure out how the timeline of that would have worked. I don't know either. Which... So, uh, yeah, that's one. Like, I'm fine how they kept it. I'm surprised that they had an alternate opening because we've never had that before in deleted scenes. Yeah, it is really interesting that they would have they would have chosen that to mm-hmm. stick in. I mean, I think it's kind of cool to have. Yeah. I agree. But I definitely, I definitely think they went the right way. But... Oh my god, that was a lot of scenes. Yeah, it really is. Like I like I like that they gave us so much. Me too. Like I felt very spoiled just sitting there for like that thirty minutes, like watching all these deleted scenes. That was like the first thing I did when um Rusty and I watched the um watched the movie. I think it was a uh, Monday night when this was released and I had just, like, gotten home from school early because one of my classes was canceled. Hell yeah. So we were just kind of, like, waiting around for uh, to 
for it to be released. So that was the first thing we did was watch the delayed scenes and then watch a documentary. And then the next morning I woke up and I'm like, well, I don't have to work for a couple hours. So I'm going to sit down and watch The Last Jedi with Cooper. And that's what I did. Aw. Did Cooper enjoy it? He loved the those the space foxes. Like when they... Oh, we should say that Cooper is your oh, yeah, dog. Cooper's my dog. Cooper's not my... um. <laughs> significant other that's my dog or rusty like okay i always am worried sometimes when like i talk about rusty because i'm thinking like people might think that's like my significant other no rusty is rusty is my brother he's been on the podcast before but i i don't know yeah guys go back a couple episodes um emily was sick a couple months ago and i had my brother my my brother rusty come in and and it was a fun episode (laughs) i was re-listening to that the other day because Sometimes I do that, like go back to old memories. But yeah, um, yeah, Cooper's my dog. And he loved the space foxes. Like when they whimpered, like he got really, he got out of bed and he started like wagging his tail and he's like, what's going on? And it was really cute. Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, next week probably we'll do the documentary and then we'll... You know, at some point we'll do, we'll talk about like the commentary and stuff. Yeah. <sighs> well, um, Emily, you started the last Jedi novel. Je- you started the last Jedi novelization. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not super far into it yet, but okay. And like, you know, if people are avoiding spoilers on this, I just want to talk about the prologue and how gorgeous it is and really like i think the the book is worth picking up just for that um because the prologue to this book is this dream that luke is having of his life having played out if he never left tattooing and it's like just like old married farmer luke and his wife and you know that like the empire is still in control of the galaxy and obviously like the rebellion has been completely wiped out and we sort of see him like wondering what would have happened if he had listened to R2's message. And there's some interesting stuff here. Like we learn that, you know, like the the Obi-Wan was killed and like Biggs, Biggs and his family were taken away. And I don't know. It's just, it's a really powerful scene. It really was. Like, I had to grab my iPad to, you know, go over some of the, um, and just read back kind of over the scene. But I I thought this was really interesting to add, like, you know, kind of Luke, like the what ifs, like the what if he wouldn't have, you know, saved the rebellion and everything else. Like, even in this dream that he had, he was still like, regretting like he was obviously imagining a life without all the things he's done but still you can tell in this dream that he had that he was still regretting 
you know? Yeah. Like I just it's it's really it's really beautifully written and it's quite sad. It really is. But we'll talk about the book more once I finished it. Yeah. But I just wanted to to mention that because that is one part that really stuck with me. Yeah. Can't wait to talk about the book. I have a lot to say, which is rare about books. But yeah, (laughs) I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to finish it up this week. I'm happy for you. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I am. I am happy to hear that. But um, on to. um... Oh, um. Do you want to talk about the Clone Wars first or? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about the Clone Wars first. Um, I watched Clone Wars. <laughs> this was uh, 13 and 14 of season three. And this is, uh, it's more of the Night Sisters stuff. And this is following up with the, like, the ones we watched before and with, you know, like, Dooku's gonna get a new apprentice, so he goes to Mother Talzin, and so Ventress, like, goes off to where the the men on the planet are, and, you know, it's, it's obviously, like, Maul's people, um, and we get <sighs> Savage Oppress, <laughs> which is... Look, I will say I, I thought the ca- the character's fine. I don't have a problem with the character. I, I hate that name, like in ways like I can't even describe. Like it just every time I hear these really like punny names, like Alonso's Bagano and all that stuff, like it immediately pulls me out of it. Um, I wish they would just give them alien names. <laughs> It's almost it's almost more annoying to me that they do like just the slight tilts on the pronunciation, so it's you know it's savage, and I'm like just just stop it. Um, I don't like. Here's the thing: is like yes, like some of the Darth names I think are silly, like Darth Plagueis and Darth Tyrannus and all those. But at least that I'm like okay, that's a that's a name that like those are often names they chose to be their titles and like to to strike fear into people and so that while I still roll my eyes at it doesn't bother me nearly as much as when it's just somebody's name yeah you know the interesting thing is that I never really had a problem with Savage Press until <laughs> you tweeted that that was the worst name in Star Wars. Would you say that was the worst name? It was. It was one of the worst names in Star Wars. Yeah, like. Excuse my yawn. Um, you know, going back and looking at old names like General Grievous, I almost feel like, and Darth Sidious. <laughs> I mean. I love Star Wars, but sometimes the naming is like, but, you know, I love Luke Skywalker, um, but Savage Opress, like, I can see that, I can, I can understand why you are feeling the way you are about this, but, um, so, okay, this was, so this was the episode where, 
like basically all the males are like finding each other to be like um to be the princess of Darth Maul or not Darth Maul, fuck. Um Dooku, right? Yeah. And so like there's lots of fighting, it's fine. Like there's some cool fight yeah. scenes and stuff. And then like Savage is the last one. Um and he he basically he he you know tells Ventress like just leave my brother alive and I'll come off with you. And then that happens and then they like the Night Sisters do some like spooky magic on him and basically he's he I mean basically they hulk him out. Mhm. So he's like super big and like even more powerful and stuff. And so they deliver him to Dooku. Um, and then, and, oh, like, one of the first things he ha- Dooku has him do is to, there's some, there's some temple that the Jedi is, are guarding that Dooku wants to take over. So we see, um, we see Savage go and, and kill a couple of Jedi. And that's sort of where we are with the next episode because they send Anakin and Obi-Wan to find out what's yeah. going on. And so we get some more we get some more cool fight scenes there. And then like at the the, the last half of that episode is Ventress like basically activating Savage and them, you know, both fighting Dooku. And despite, you know, their big plan, Dooku's still super strong. And there's one point, like, he just keeps, like, force lightning Savage. Savage will, like, crawl back up and, like, make some threat. And then Dooku just, like, lightnings him again. And it's pretty fucking funny. Because it happens, like, three or four times. Uh, And Ventress, of course, gets away. Because she always gets away. Um... And Savage gets away too, and he's like super bitter about the whole thing. And he goes back to Mother Talzin, and she gives him a new task, which is to go to the Outer Rim to try to find his long lost brother. So he's obviously like he's on the search for Maul, and that'll come back in at some point. Huh. God, these were. I remember looking back at these episodes, and they were really good. Like the fight with Dooku and, um, Ventress and uh, Savage was really good, even though, of course, <laughs> Ventress escapes. But um, yeah, yeah, it's weird. I, I, one thing is, I really thought like that Savage was going to be Dooku's apprentice for longer. Yeah, like it seemed, it seemed really rushed. Yeah, I did, but um, now there's purpose in this because um. We're gonna find Darth Maul. So, well, if he's alive, and his and his spider legs or whatever the fuck. I mean, that's for you to find out. I mean, I know I've seen pictures of it. It looks like shit. <laughs> and I and I, but mostly I know about it because Steel complains about it all the time. But you know, actually, one of the biggest things that got me to watch the Clone Wars was finding out that they're bringing that they brought back Darth Maul. Because one, I was like kind of annoyed, but I was really interested. So I started watching those episodes and then I went back and 
binged it like my senior year of high school and I was really enjoying it. And I remember my friends would give me shit because they're like, why are you watching Cartoon Network? I'm like, because Clone Wars is on. (laughs) They didn't get it. But yeah, this was the pivotal point for me or this was like um, we're getting to like when I first started watching the Clone Wars, which is pretty cool. But how did you did you like enjoy these more than usual or? Yeah, I I thought these were pretty good because it felt fairly like Mm -hmm. important like stuff was actually happening and again like i just thought the fight scenes are really well done yeah that's one thing with clone wars that i was always really impressed with was the the lightsaber duels because you know it's it's hard to do animation and to have a lot of action and movement in an animation is obviously something really difficult so seeing that in Clone Wars is really impressive because, you know, versus uh, Rebels, we don't really see a lot of interesting battles or all we see is like uh, helicopter lightsabers and um, Inquisitor fights. I mean, we see Vader. Awesome. Probably my only favorite part of that whole series, but um, you don't really get a lot of action. Well, we get space, but not as much as we got in the Clone Wars. Oh, but I'm happy that uh, season three is a better season for you. Um, I think you'll like the next couple of episodes. It's It gets dark this season, let me just say. Well, that's good. It gets... I think, yeah. Yeah, but... Hell yeah. Clone Wars. But... Emily... This, it's yeah, it's time for for monthly Mendo movies, which I kind of really wish that we had some sort of theme song for, but that's okay. Maybe I'll find a cool sound clip of of Mendo just saying anything at all, because I enjoy everything he says. But we watched Animal Kingdom. Silence, beware. I'm going to be the main event, like no king was before. I'm brushing up, I'm looking down, I'm working on my raw. No one's saying do this. No one's saying be there. No one's saying stop that. No one's saying see here. Free to run around all day. Free to do it my way. I just can't wait to be king. (laughs) I just can't wait to be king. It's freaking awesome. Like, I had seen it, I think, maybe, like, once or twice before, but I haven't seen it for a couple years. And this was your first time watching it. Yes. Uh, And this is from 2010. And, okay, just sort of a really, like, this is sort of off off the back of the box, but... Evil is relative in this chilling tale of betrayal and blood starring Guy Pearce, Ben Mendelsohn, and Joel Edgerton. When his mother dies from an overdose, 17-year-old Josh Cody is taken in by his grandmother and uncles, the most notorious criminal gang in the city. So when tensions between the Codys and a squad of renegade cops land him at the center of a cold-blooded murder plot, Josh is forced to choose between his treacherous family and the lawless police in this shattering thriller. Fuck. (laughs) 
I was not expecting how dark this movie was. Like I was telling Emily before um, we started recording that like uh, probably about like 30 minutes to 45 minutes like into the film. Like I had to stop myself for a little bit because like this was fucking dark. Like I had to like kind of breathe for a second, drink my champagne and like watch some beauty tutorials on YouTube to like calm me down because I just was like, I don't know, like it was fucking dark. But let me just tell you that two things. One, it took me a long ass fucking time to realize that um, the family friend, forget his name, Barry, Barry was Owen Lars. Yeah, it's Joel Edgerton, and. Okay. Um. Obviously, there's gonna be there's gonna be tons of spoilers. Yeah. So spoilers. if you're gonna watch this movie, turn off the podcast and watch the movie. But and this is actually one thing I'm I was wondering about because, I mean, I I didn't see this movie when it first came out, so I don't know how it was billed. But like on my Blu-ray copy and stuff, like Joel Edgerton is second billed, and then just gets fucking killed. Like, pretty early in the movie. I was so surprised. I was... Like, he just gets... Yeah. Like, he just gets straight up murdered by these cops. Like, they... There's a scene where they're... He, they, he's in a parking lot. And at that point, like... um, All right. So, in the movie... Ben Mendelsohn's character, um, Andrew, or Pope, as they called him, is, like, the one that the police are super after. And so, there's a scene... Um, when when Mendo and Jodgerton have been talking in the store and they've they've parted ways and Jodgerton is in his car and the cops come up to him like with a shotgun and he's just like yeah you just missed him and then the cop goes well you'll basically like well you'll do and then yells he's got a gun even though he, he doesn't and then just shoot him fuck and I- I'm wondering if, like, Joel Edgerton being being second build in this movie is something that came, like, later, like, after more people knew who he was. Because sometimes you'll see that, like, sometimes you'll see somebody who's a big name, who at one point had a really small role in some, you know, nothing movie that nobody ever saw. And so then it'll come out as, like, Sandra Bullock in such and such, when really she's in the movie for five minutes. And maybe it was an order of appearance thing, too. It could be. Like, it's, it's, it just, it, I don't know, it's something that was really interesting to me. Not, because he's a, he is an important part in this movie. Yes. But he's not in it for nearly as much as some of, some of the other dudes. But they're not as well known. Oh, my God, though. Um... When I first saw Mendo on screen, I fucking died because of that blue Hawaiian shirt that he was wearing. Oh, he does not. He's not like very um, fashionable in this movie. <laughs> not at all. Like, I don't I don't know why I wasn't expecting that for some reason. But, you know, he kind of creeped me out. Like, as sexy as he is, like, I was so creeped out, like the way that he was looking at Jay's girlfriend sometimes, like, especially like when he like carried her to bed and was like looking at her afterwards. I was like, oh, my God. Like, that was. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's creepy as hell. Like. I 
I think that was when I was like, I, or when he was like sitting down, um, after, I think it was after, um, after the family friend died, but like, he was just like sitting there just in silence. Like that was a lot of Mendo in this movie. It was just like sitting in silence or just like that silence ponder, that creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's, he's, um, like Barry or, or Baz, Baz. who Joel Edgerton is, um, is like Mendo's like best friend. Mm-hmm. And so after he dies, there's a scene when when Mendo is back in their house and he's there. It's in um, I'm all out of love is playing, yeah. and there's no dialogue. It's just him, like at first just staring at the TV, and then Jay, who is who is Josh, who is the like 17 year old, mm-hmm. and and Jay's girlfriend are both like asleep on the couch. And it's it's just so uncomfortable and so tense. And then he, you cut to him, like carrying the girlfriend and like setting her down on the bed, and it's just it's there's this definite sense of what if Jay hadn't walked in when he did. Yeah, I was afraid that I would be seeing like a, a Mendo rape scene or something, which I really oh. wasn't prepared. To, to see that at my state of inebriation. <laughs> but fuck. I did not like that. Um And it's it's interesting how many how many scenes there are in this movie that is just music. There's so many scenes of people just sort of t- staring off into the distance. Mm-hmm. And it, it's and and that could be cheesy and it could be really dumb, but it 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 ends up like the tension just really works because all these actors are really good. And this guy, I I don't know um, the actor who plays Josh Cody. I don't I don't think I've seen him in anything else. But there's a couple of things. One, I like the fact he was an actual teenager. It's not you know like a 25 year old playing a 17 year old. Yeah, he's a little guy. But and it honestly, it actually it it plays really well against against uh mendo's character which is jay goes through so much of this movie just with no affect like it's so flat and muted and like you're not and until the very end of the movie like you're never seeing like the sort of emotion emotion that you would think like the movie starts with um his mom odine and he's just sort of like sitting on the couch next to her when the paramedics arrive. And then he calls his his grandmother because um, his mom was estranged from her. So he hasn't seen his grandmother in years. And he's like, yeah, mom OD'd and she died. I probably should have said that slower. And it's just, I don't know, like it's so off-putting. It's haunting in a way, too, just, like, how he just doesn't react to anything. Like, you know, he's in the middle of all this, you know, like, the crime family and just different stuff. And, like, he's just in the middle of all this. And you think that someone would be stressed in that moment. Like, the the moment that he cracks was, like, almost really surprising to me and, like, how it happened. But we'll we'll get there when, whenever. But, yeah, so the police... You know, after they they after they murder, um, Joe Edgerton, uh, 
the Cody's decide to get revenge and and Mendo for for whatever reason for reasons of his own decides to pull Jay into it uh and and tells Jay to go and steal a car and they take this car and they like smash the shit out of it and just leave it on the road knowing that it'll get called into the cops um and then you know two officers arrive and they just blow them away and it's it's super and part of the reason it's so creepy is obviously this plan was just we're going to kill some cops it doesn't matter what cops they are cuz it's not like these are the guys who who murdered his friend they're just two officers just two random officers and just how calm they were when they were taken in for questioning or like when they were like getting arrested when Pope Darren and and JR like it just it was just so like strange and it just felt even how calm Jay was like when that was happening like it just felt like it was familiar to him you know yeah yeah and that's basically like how the rest of the movie plays out is then um this is when uh Guy Pierce comes in as his cop who's leading this investigation and who wants Jay to flip on his family and then like it's all those scenes are paralleling along with the family being like what the hell are we going to do about this because they're worried they're worried that jay's going to crack yeah that's the thing with that is that if they knew that he was possibly going to crack for like so long like why didn't they do anything in the beginning you know like i know that he's family and stuff but these are smart people I hope, you know, like they've been doing whatever they've been doing for a long period of time. And like they let this kid into their house because his mom died. Like, wouldn't you think that they would have acted on this thought rather than wait along and, you know? Well, I I think maybe like, like Mendo would have. Like, I think Mendo would just would have killed him from the beginning. But... I mean, obviously, we see the like, like Daryl, the other one of the other uncles who's alive at this point is. I mean, is is crazy, but not not the same sort of crazy. Um, and 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 I'm not Daryl, Darren. And uh, and 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 Craig is his own like again, like they're all crazy in different ways. Like Mendo is more like violently yeah. psycho crazy. But uh, so so Guy Pierce is trying to convince Jay to go into witness protection, and and at first Jay's like, "No, it's not going to happen," and he does he does go back to his family, and that's when like we we see sort of this, I mean, it's almost this sort of like Shakespearean like. T- turn of people m- making assumptions and where it brings us because um the uncles convince jay that he needs to uh 
break up with his girlfriend. Because they're worried about how much she might know or what he might tell her. And they're also, like, worried that, you know, like, she could be used as, like, a fulcrum against Jay by the cops. So they're at, like, a, a, like a bowling alley or something. Like, we just, or, like, a food court or something. We see we see Jay breaking up with her. And then uh, the cops come in to, like to try to, to to pressure him more and he he gets up and he walk you know like he's like this isn't gonna happen but then we cut to mendo hearing about the police coming to jay and he you know he's immediately like okay we gotta take care of this so the girlfriend shows up looking for jay and whew, this is a tough scene. It really is. Because Mendo uh, gives her some heroin, like actually like shoots her up and then smothers her. While, while Darren is watching and I mean, technically trying to stop it. But not actually, like, physically trying to stop it. Just being like, hey, dude, maybe maybe you shouldn't be doing this. I, like, the way that he was looking at her after she died, too. Like, I had no idea what he was going to do next. And I think that just shows his performance in this film. That after that happened, like, I I didn't know if he was going to, like, have sex with her even though she's dead or you know, do something else. Like, that's the thing with Mendo in this film is that I just didn't know what the fuck he was going to do next. Like, killing her too? Like, he would have done anything to keep his ass safe, you know? Yeah, and it's just, it's so cold. And he's just, he basically just has, like, no reaction to it afterwards. He's just like, okay, we gotta go. We gotta go take care of this now. Yeah, so they go, they go, like, they just dump her body somewhere, and it'll look just like a heroin overdose. But when Jay comes back to the house, he finds her bracelet out in the front yard. And then calls her phone, and we hear the phone ringing, and then, like, we see we see Mendo come out of the house and Jay just like takes off and Mendo goes after him. And that's that's when Jay decides to go to the police. I feel like when we see him in his um dead girlfriend's parents' bathroom just like sobbing. That was such, like, a powerful moment because, like, that was the first time that we saw him crack out of, you know, all the events that happened. You know, he's witnessed, like, multiple deaths. And who else died? Someone died before that, too? Or was that after or before? Well, his, his like, his mother's died. Um, One of the, uh, the other uncle was gunned down by the cops. Yeah. Um, Craig. But, shit. I like it's like I feel bad for Jay. But yeah. Like 
I almost feel like he could have done more to avoid this situation. But <laughs> the the terrible part in me is thinking, okay, so these two cops are dead, like, and like no one's in trouble yet. Like, I just am surprised that they got out of custody so quickly, or that. Well, they're just. I guess. I mean, there just wasn't enough proof. Like, if none of them are talking, and like, I mean, there aren't any witnesses. Like, they know it's them, but they can't. They can't do anything at that point. I mean, like the suspicion of uh, unreasonable doubt or whatever. Or, fuck, I should know. That's my major. But still, like. <laughs> well, also, we're talking about a different country here, but. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how le- how long legally you can hold somebody in Australia for questioning without charges. That's the thing that I'm wondering too. <laughs> like the criminal justice major in me was just thinking, how could have this been done legally? You know, but that was just me. Like with these kind of movies, like I think about that, and especially like with the guns too, because like, don't they like? Isn't there like st- really strict gun laws in Australia too? Yeah, and this is. And that's the thing is this this police force is like this this like particular group is the armed response task force or something, which we hear a couple times in the movie is getting phased out and folded into this other department, partially because they are like this renegade group and they are corrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is sort of based on some real real stuff that happened like i think in the late 80s maybe early 90s okay then that makes sense then but yeah like i don't know how closely it follows actual events because you know that's always you know based on true stories always sort of like well who knows but yeah so then we see um pope and darren get arrested and this is when uh, Jackie Weaver, who plays sort of the matriarch to this family, like really comes into play because we've seen her out throughout this movie and she's given like a pretty like she's given a good performance. But, you know, it's mostly just her reacting to all these deaths that are around her. And then we get this like cold as fuck, like terrifying scene. Um, and it's after she's, you know, she's gone and talked to her kids in prison and and is super worried, especially about, about Darren, because, I mean, Mendo can take care of himself. Yeah. <laughs> she's not worried about Mendo. And, yeah, and also, and also like, Darren is obviously, like, like the favorite, because he's, he's, he's a little bit off, and maybe, like, a, like, you know, like, there's something happening with him that we never really know the full details of but obviously like you know like feels like she, he's he will die in prison and so she decides she's going to have her grandson murdered <laughs> fuck and yeah so she goes and she sets this up um she basically blackmails this guy into doing it who has sort of been their their the family's like informant, and the way they're going to do it is, she has somehow gotten the address of the witness protection house that Jay's in, 
And the plan is really to get him killed by the cops. Because, they're, you know, like, she's going to, you know, they're going to set it up so the neighbors call in that there's some sort of, like, drug deals. And they've seen people with guns in and out of this house. So they, they you know, they plan this raid. And the raid goes off. But Jay runs. He's able to escape. Like, I, I'm surprised that he was able to get away almost like so easily. Like he's really able to just like run away from problems. Basically. Like I, it's like, I had an issue with that, that how easy for him it was to escape that. And then just go straight to her and be like, Hey, we need to get Pope out of jail. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe it's partially just the, the police aren't terribly competent. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> And yeah, so he does manage he does manage to run and he goes back home and he's basically like, Okay You know, they do this through the through the lawyers where basically he's just going to testify in a way that the the def- get them off. That that his testimony will be questionable enough that, you know, maybe they didn't actually kill her. You know, maybe she did just overdose on heroin. So, yeah, that's how. And then, we, you know, we just sort of, we don't, we don't actually see the trial, which I think is probably for the best in terms of, in terms of pacing. Like, I don't think we need it. Like, we see him yeah. being coached beforehand. Um, It's really cool because the way they do it... um. Like they set it up so so Guy Pierce really seems to actually care about Jay. And 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 wants him like even though he's obviously using him because he he hates his family, but like there's a scene when he's first in when his protection like where he's like teaching him to cook. Yeah, it's like they're forming this like bond. Yeah, yeah. Like and he's like he's like trying to convince him that he can have a future. And so, you know, we we just see him before, like, he's, like, coming up to him before he testifies, like, you know, you, like, you know, I hope you, I hope you made your choice. And then it, and it then it cuts to Pope and, and Darren getting off. And then, and then we're at the end of the movie where, you know, the, the guys are, like, in the backyard, like, barbecuing at the mother's and um jay shows up and again it's this flat affect like they sort of welcome him back and you see (laughs) you see like mendo sort of like staring at him and you don't quite know what his yeah like what his plan is there and jay like goes off to his room and he's you know he's lying in bed and then mendo comes in and he, he just starts up like oh what a world Bam! Jay shoots him in the head. <laughs> and it is, it's so sudden. Like, I, I love how they play this. Because you could get, like, this drawn-out scene where Mendo is giving the speech. Or, like, you see Jay, like, draw on him and, like, hold it for a while. And you don't know if he's going to do it. And then he does it. But it's really shocking. 
oh my god i know like when after he said like oh the fucking world we live in or something and then like you see the blood on the wall and i'm like oh i didn't expect him to die in this yeah yeah and then that was really surprising it's just yeah i was really shocked the first time i I saw this movie and and then it's just like you know like the yeah they obviously like the grandmother and and the other uncle like they they hear this shot and like Jay just goes off and his grandmother hugs him looking fucking terrified. And that's the end of the movie. It's it's a ride. It it was truly a movie that I just I didn't know what the fuck was gonna happen or if Jay was gonna go crazy and just like kill everyone, which he basically did to Mendo. Like that was the thing with this movie was that Jay was just so unpredictable, like what he would do next. Like obviously, like he was in a really shitty situation and he probably felt felt, felt pressure to either stay with the family or you know go with the police. But like, I almost feel like he knew what his destiny was, and he. I maybe he knew then that getting Pope out of jail that he wanted to kill Pope for everything he did to yeah. um his girlfriend, you know. Cuz that was the only cuz even though he was very monotone with her too, like he obviously cared about her, you know, for God's sake, like he went to her house for like dinner and stuff and yeah, you it, know. it's like these scenes you get with with the girlfriend and her parents are interesting cuz her her parents are obviously just, you know, this very typical like suburban like family mm-hmm. like really loving like really welcoming to jay and, and yeah. yeah it's strange then you know the family dynamic of um the grandma then the the um pope and his brother and everyone else is like really interesting too just like the way that they all embrace each other or the way that she embraces them is really interesting yeah there is like at the very beginning there's and it's really it's really i don't know it's just like there's something really creepy about it it's when, odd when when we first see the family and we're sort of meeting everybody and uh craig who's sort of like this really like um tattooed up guy and he's off to do something and and she's just like come give me a kiss first and it's this like it's not a motherly kiss. They're like making out like for a second. I'm like, okay, like, is that not her son? Is that, but she does that with all of her kids too. And even Jay, like it just, the, the like, like it's never, like it's never quite sexual, but it's, it's always like almost sexual. You know, maybe it's like her form of like dominance too to them. Cause it's like, yeah. she, like she's the boss and that's you know even though like they're the ones getting the drugs and the money and everything like she's the one who's basically like handling all this you know yeah yeah and and again like that scene when she's setting up this hit (laughs) on jay is like crazy like she she got a she got a oscar nomination for best supporting actress and you can really see why like Mm -hmm. that's that scene it's like when she's just like, yeah, you're going to do this because, yeah, like, look, look at all the shit that Jay's witnessed you doing, too. Like, you think he's just going to stop? Like, with, with Pope and, and Darren, like, he's, you know, they're going to keep questioning him. And she, and it's just, she's like, you know, this isn't this isn't you doing me a favor. 
Ugh. The, the scene when um, they're arresting the guys for the death of um, the girlfriend and she's just sitting there like with her tea or something just like calmly that was really haunting too yeah she's just like they're like we see them both like lying on the ground with their hands over the head and she's just like in the kitchen like dunking the tea bag in and out of her mug like it's just another thing that happens <laughs> fuck one of thing one of the things i like about this movie as opposed to a lot of sort of like crime or or gangster movies is the the deaths are all really like shocking and brutal like it's never glamorized and it's not it's not like lingering like look at this really cool like shot that i'm doing it's it's really stark and quick and and it makes it really effective like it feels really real it it really did that was one of the things like you know the deaths too like just like the splatter of blood in both or even the third one where i forget his name when he's running and the cops just like shoot him like that was very like realistic too you know yeah yeah it's never it's never like the sort of hollywood glamorized like you know slow mo shot it's just it's just somebody getting shot with a gun yeah but we did get we did get one email about this because I want to I normally receive emails for the end. But since this is actually about Animal Kingdom, I thought we would read it. And this is from Jim. He writes in a lot, even though we're always mean about rebels. We love you. Sorry. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm I'm not sorry. <laughs> I OK. Nope. Brittany's not sorry anymore. That is very episode 31 we are on 33 now and i'm still not sorry but anyways anyways all right hi candle by dispatch and assorted boards <laughs> they say hello i'm currently only i'm currently only halfway through animal kingdom and i'm planning on finishing it before i listen to your podcast next week however i wanted to send an email on what will surely be my favorite part and the scene where owen lars is after owen lars's funeral when mendo and his brother are talking about talking and mendo keeps asking if he's gay and darren isn't answering finally mendo asks him what kind of drink he's making and he replies it's a bourbon and coke and when mendo replies bourbon and coke that's not a very gay drink i fucking lost it that line seems so mendo only he could pull off such a weird line so spectacularly honestly it's been worth watching the movie just for that scene anyways i'm excited for the rest and to hear you talk about it keep up your great work your listener jim P.S. I wear a side large for the <laughs> AP5 Lives shirt, so let me know where to send the money. <laughs> oh my fucking god. We do need to make one of yeah, those. Yeah, and actually, that is actually, what he's talking about here is a really great scene of this movie, and it's, it is, it's after um, Barry's funeral, when he's just, like, you just sort of see this, this, like, psychosis in Mendo like even where he just like always is like just like needling people because he's like just going off like on towards his brother like that's a really gay shirt are you gay like and his brother's he's the one wearing the Hawaiian shirt <laughs> I know it's very weird but the the way they do the scene is really weird because he keeps telling him like it's okay if you're gay I don't care but you gotta tell me just tell me just tell me if you're gay just tell me if you're gay and it's just 
like you keep like you don't quite know where this is going this could turn even though like they're brothers and then just you know there was just a funeral of the of a the friend of theirs this could still turn violent and that's sort of always the undercurrent in every scene that mendo's in in this movie yeah like that's the thing it's just everything's just so like you don't know what the fuck he's gonna do or say like everything's like so monotone too like i was <laughs> i was like watching this on my ipad and like some moments like i had to like turn off my fan in my room because it was like kind of loud because like i couldn't really understand what they were saying sometimes like i had to go back i don't know if it was the not the thick australian accents but like i don't just like the monotone you know yeah but no i think i, I mean mendo's great in this movie it's sort of what i think of as kind of like the iconic ben Mendelssohn performance just sort of like he's he's done you know he's done a lot of these like gross bad guy roles but this one is sort of the the epitome of all of it but i think the the movie as a whole is is really good um it is at least at least in the united states a very underrated and underseen crime movie it is it's it had me in suspense the whole time like it was you know, usually when I watch a movie, I know, like, what's going to happen, you know, except with, like, Star Wars and shit, because, like, most of the time, I don't really want to know spoilers or anything. But um, with this, I was just, like, I kind of, like, want to know what's going to happen, because it's, like, sometimes with violence, it's, like, I get really, like, squeamish. So, like, or if there was, like, rape or anything, like, I kind of wanted to know beforehand so I can, like, prepare myself. But, um, yeah, with this, I really didn't know, like, what was going to happen or what Mendo was going to do, or even Jay. Like, I thought that Jay was either just going to, like, kill them all, or just even his fate was uncertain, even though I feel like he knew it from the very beginning. Like, I still was, I questioned it a lot. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, this is one I really recommend. Um, like like we sort of said, this is going to be like a monthly thing, just picking a, a movie. I'm not quite sure which one we're going to do next, but especially if you're seeing Animal Kingdom for the first time or, you know, maybe you're a big fan of it. Like, just, you know, tweet us or email us. Let us know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let us know. Uh, yeah. Next time, next time we're going to pick something a little bit lighter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I said, he's done a lot of really dark stuff, but he's done some, he's done some, you know, more like typical drama or even some comedy stuff, too. So we're going to try to mix it up. Just so not every month is, you know, devastating emotionally. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we do top three pretty quick? Um, I think we can sort of blast through this one. Yeah. Here, you go first because I still am. I have a couple quotes that I'm still de- okay. on. Um, and this came from Twitter. Um, at at Hack Heaven. I'm sorry, I don't know your actual name. But thank you for the top three suggestion. And this was top three lines in the Star Wars saga. Um, okay, my first one, surprise, surprise, it's from Ben Mendelsohn. And it's uh, Rogue One. And it's, oh, here's Lyra back from the dead. It's a miracle. <laughs> which which on paper is, is a fine line. But his his performance, like, there's just, like, the... Like, the amount of sarcasm that he manages to put into those few words is just astounding. 
And like from the very first time I heard that in, in the theater, I'm like, okay, no, this is this is this is my new favorite thing that's ever happened in Star Wars. Um, second, switch gears, something a little bit meatier. It's I'm a Jedi, like my father before oh. me. I mean, come on, it's just how can you not like that line? It's so great. It's such a like fuck yeah moment. It's 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 so it's so beautiful and and just it's one of those one of those like iconic this is Star Wars lines. Um, all right, my number one. I sort of I chose two here because first of all, I've talked a lot on the show about how my favorite line in all of Star Wars is "How you doing, Chewbacca," <laughs> and it is it is like a generally like in terms of not in terms of like best lines or in terms of like you know, the most, like, things that encompass Star Wars, but just in terms of lines that personally give me pleasure and make me laugh, I don't even know why, How You Doing Chewbacca is my top line. But, I don't know, I wasn't quite sure if I could actually choose that. So the other one I chose is Poe, we are the spark that will light the file that will burn the First Order down. Which is another good, like, fuck yeah line. But also just, I love Poe taking that leadership spot. Um, especially after all this shit that he fucked up in this movie. Yeah. he. We really see Poe kind of learn from his mistakes in this film. And then just take that role of leadership. Because we know that he's probably going to be taking that role in the ninth film depending on whatever happens because he definitely thought that after leia went down that he would be the one the first in command but then when holdo was he definitely you know it was a a moment for him to be like what the fuck like that's not me but he had to prove himself and he did in the end of the film how about you um well starting off with my number one like oh, fuck the I am a Jedi like my father before me like oh my fucking god <laughs> like every time I hear that I get chills like it's so good like that like you said like that is Star Wars like that is you know that is my Luke Skywalker like the he knows who he is and fuck everyone else who you know fuck the Emperor fuck you know like dying like he that was his moment of. I would rather die a Jedi rather than not die or dying not a Jedi. Yeah. But um, number two is, oh, fuck, heart-wrenching in Revenge of the Sith when after Obi-Wan decapitates Anakin and the whole, you know, you're the chosen one. You were sent to the, let me get the quote. It was said that you destroy the Sith, not join them. Bring the balance of the Force, not leave it in darkness. And then the, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. <laughs> still fucking, that still fucking gets me. Like, you know, like, the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin was something that I genuinely loved. Like, you know, mm-hmm. obviously in Attack of the Clones, you send them bigger and shit because Anakin's being a whiny bitch. Like, I hate saying that, but it's like episode two, really. It's like I was okay with the Anakin Skywalker that we got in um, the first couple of movies. But we had to see the side of him because obviously this person turned to the dark side. We need reasons why that he did. Like obviously the whole he knows he's powerful and shit and like no one else kind of sees it or wants to believe it. 
that was a reasonable thing for him to be pissed about, knowing that he's capable of having so many powers and he's still only a Padawan, plus having Palpatine talking off his ear, talking about like, oh, he's so powerful. Why doesn't anyone else see it? And him being like, yeah, like this guy who's my father figure is telling me all these things about myself that what I'm capable of doing and no one else is seeing that. Like, fuck yeah, I'd be pissed too. But in episode three, we really see like the bromance or just the brotherhood of Anakin and Obi-Wan from like the beginning of the film to, you know, the very last moments together before Obi-Wan leaves on Utapau. It's it's powerful. But um number three. Number three. Um for some reason though, because like I try to think of like the first thing that comes to my mind. And it was a quote from Yoda in um, The Phantom Menace, I believe, when he's talking to young Anakin because he's, like, sensing, like, something's wrong with his mother or something. He's like, why does that matter? And um, Yoda's like, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Like, that's Anakin Skywalker. Like, that whole sentence is just, you know, fear leads to anger. Anger, hate. Hate leads to suffering. Like, that's basically, like, the story of Anakin Skywalker in the prequel trilogy. You know, Mm -hmm. like we see this character go from, you know, having to leave his mom, going to the Jedi Order because, you know, he felt purpose in that, but then getting disappointed by the Jedi, but then, you know, finding his wife and then her getting pregnant and him being like, oh, fuck, this is exciting to she's going to die. Fuck, what do I do? And then suffering because of it, because he tried to save the one he loved, but he fucked everyone else over because of Palpatine and just of, you know, a bunch of different shit. So that's another quote that I find really great. But yeah. Yeah. So thanks for that uh, top three and thanks for everybody else who has sent in suggestions. We will get to them over the next couple of weeks. Yes. Thank you everyone. We have a lot of great ones. I can't wait to dive into those in the next couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, and if you have any, you can send them to us at cantobitepod at gmail.com. Yes. Um, and we did get one email we're going to read to finish off the show, and it is from King Tom. Ooh. And it says, hey, Brito and Lindo. So I'm really digging the bonus features on the The Last Jedi home release. And to go off on a second here, when you're talking about the movie, do you say the The Last Jedi as I did, or do you skip the first the so it just comes out as features on The Last Jedi home <laughs> release? I, I skip the first the. It's It's too weird sounding to say it. I will use, like, when I'm writing, I will use the if I'm abbreviating The Last Jedi to TLJ. So I would write, like, if I'm writing, I would write the TLJ bonus features. That's what I do, too. But if I were, yeah. I never say, like, Revenge of, like, Rots or um, Empire Strikes Back or however, like, the abbreviations. Like, I, I text that or I write that like online but when i'm talking to people in person like i say like revenge of the sith or something even with like mich- like the at at or atat like i say both because it's like i never know like which cause sometimes i'm like i'm gonna say atat or at at like i don't know it just depends on my mood <laughs> anyway back to my email i like all the deleted scenes but i'm still on the fence about whether or not i want them in the movie Probably my favorite is a caretaker party. I don't know. The music, the dancing, that just seems fun. Hell yeah. But I'm a little confused about the lesson Luke gives Rey. 
Is he telling her the resistance and the galaxy needs someone who will run into things and take action? Or is it telling her she needs to meditate and take everything into account before brandishing her lightsaber and taking and takes on whatever enemies coming her way. Either way, he came off as a dick. And not to spoil the scene because I liked it a lot, but the scene in the novel has a little extra twist that is mm-hmm. even more delightful. Thanks for thanks for reading an awesome podcast. Your pal King Tom. P.S. Emily, on the last episode, or the one before that, you mentioned how Alec Guinness's reaction to Star Wars made you think less of him. I know what you mean. I have that same reaction to people who have bashed their time on Star Wars, even though Guinness was also bashing that kid's interest. Yeah. Um, I still don't think that was a third lesson. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think you could think that it was, but I also genuinely think... That he, like, he wasn't quite expecting her to run yeah, off Yeah, he really like wasn't, because he was, like, kind of cracking up that he did that. Yeah, like, when he, when he's calling after her, it, he, he really is trying to be like, hey, wait, no, that's not, I was just kidding. I would almost consider this too, like, because it's kind of a lesson, because, you know, they talk about the resistance and shit. Like, this was probably part of the second lesson, because, you know, he talks about the history of, you know, Darth Sidious rising to power and all that shit, you know, like... I almost feel like because like she interrupted this by going to save the caretakers. So this was part yeah. of the second lesson. Yeah, I think that this was just more of him genuinely like trying to convince her that the Jedi yeah. are not the answer. I agree. And yes, King Tom, I support you in that statement that the scene in the novel has an extra twist. And it is my favorite twist. And I will argue that forever because it is my favorite moment of anything I've ever read in anything of all time. So. Okay. Well, now you've set, you've set my expectations maybe a little bit high. Yes. And I apologize for that because I, I don't want to, I, I don't want that to spoil, but yes. Um, thank you, King Tom. So Nick, yeah. Um, Thanks, King Tom. Uh, next week, we will be talking about the documentary, which I still need to watch, and also probably the Last Jedi novelization. So if you have any like thoughts or questions or comments about either of those, or really about anything else, like Forces of Destiny, that's fine too, because we'll be watching that. Uh, email us, cantobitepod yes. at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, we're a little bit longer than usual today, but we had lots of stuff to talk about. Um, stay tuned on what the next movie's going to be. I'll try to narrow that down by next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at CantoBitePod. I am on both of those at EFLind. That's at E-F-L-I-N-D. And Brittany, you are... CantoBrit. Alrighty. Uh, you know, if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes or give us a retweet when the episode announcements go up. That always helps us out. And thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.